You know, there's a river flowing in this room. A river of life. A river of truth. You are personally, uniquely, the genesis of the river of God in the earth. Out of your innermost being flow rivers of living water. These are the streams that make glad the city of God. When you begin to release in faith, you open up something inside of you that's connected with God himself. He that joins himself to the Lord is one spirit. And when you begin to release that abundance, it begins to converge with the flow that's coming from the person to your left and your right, and, it, and, the, and just a little bit further, and those things begin to pool, and they begin to join, and they become a raging river. That's how regions and nations are changed. Sometimes we wait, oh God, we're waiting for you. He's saying, no, listen, the river is already here. The river is already right inside of you. All things, Peter said, necessary for life and godliness are already supplied. They're already given. What if, what if world peace was possible? You know, we, we mock it sometimes. You got those beauty pageant contestants, you know. What do you want most? World peace. World peace. What if you had the power of peace in your sound? What if you could speak peace to the turmoil of your own soul? What if you could speak peace to confusion trying to come over your mind? What if you could speak peace to the raging emotions of anger, frustration, rejection, and pain that try to surface out of your being? What if, what if becoming a man or a woman of peace began with ruling over the streams that flowed from your own heart? What if that was the foundation for the kingdom of heaven filling the earth as the waters cover the sea? There's no what ifs. That is the plan. That is the, that is the uh, inside look at God's schematic of how to bring the kingdom of God into a nation, into a city. So, Father, we say today, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the sounds that may glad the city of God that are coming to the earth. We bless you. Lord, let a spirit of revelation come upon us today. Lord, make, let those things that we've seen, that we've caught a glimpse of, let them become sure and steady as they are established in our lives through our obedience, through our acknowledgement of the truth. Father, make us into the pillars of light you've called us to be. And everybody said amen. You know, um, have you ever heard of the term rebuilding process in, in the context of, of sports? When you've got a team that's rebuilding, right? They haven't stopped focusing on winning.
They've just come to the realization that within our structure, within our organization, there are innate weaknesses that have to be overcome. And the process for those things to be overcome is more than somebody standing up and saying, go faster. It's more than a little tweaking of the existence of what is already there. It's more than an extra practice this week. Rebuilding means taking a longer-term vision about where it is you're going, uh, looking at what you have, and in the knowledge of God, deciding or realizing whether you have enough presently to realize those aims. And if you don't, you rebuild. That means you go up and you shore up areas of weaknesses so that you you can go. We had a guy here a few years ago that was a pole vaulter. Pole vaulting is is, uh, I mean, not only it takes hand-eye coordination, it takes unique kinds of muscular strength and, you know, that kind of uh, ignition that comes from the brain to, to the muscles. But, you know, all, all of those muscle groups have to be functioning because you, you, you run, right? So you got to get up speed. I mean, when you, when you actually plant that thing, you have to have the strength to hold on to it so it doesn't break from your hands. So you have, have to have hand, strength in your forearms. You have to have strength in your biceps. You have to have shoulders. You have to have core strength when you're, when you're wrenching your up, lower body up over that bar. Any weakness in any part of the body means the overall goal is compromised, right? You just you can't get there. And, and no amount of trying, you've got to go to the weight room and you've got to find, okay, is there an area of my body that, that, needs, that is lagging behind the rest? And so you fix that. That's a picture of rebuilding. We, church, have been in a process of rebuilding. I want to bless Chris Bannis. Our, uh, as, as the apostolic leader of this house, I want to say bless you, Chris Bannis, who has taken the responsibility, the leadership to... The, do the lead pastor work. And we as a church, you know, we've done many things well, but we've done some things poorly over the years. And it's not enough to do one thing well. You know, the pole vaulter who, who has great bicep strength will not be a very good pole vaulter if the rest of his body is not coming up to an equal level. And so I felt something this morning in this room. Do you feel it? And you think, well, yeah, well, we're just all optimistic. We're all excited about getting back. You know, it's just that soulish enthusiasm. Ah, you know, there might be some of that. Some of you are enthusiastic. No names will be mentioned. Right, Brian? <laughs> oh, there he is, there he is. I'm looking, he's not in his normal spot. But, but there's something else. There's a commodity that's being released from a people that's going to get better and better and better. It's literally going to begin to establish environments in cities of peace. You know, we have this thing happening right now where riots and all kinds of things all over the world. You have this six-block area of Seattle that's taken over by anarchists and Antifa and the rest of that. They are looking, and this is always the spiritual struggle, to establish a geographic stronghold for the manifestation of a governance. 
That is, that is the challenge all over the earth. And the body of Christ is beginning to realize that they also have the power to do that, except with a different spirit, not a governance that is compulsive, arbitrary, coercive, but it's based in the nature of who God is. So God is empowering us to release the attributes of his character because they are not just behaviors. They are, they are a substance. Joy is a substance. Peace is a substance. And it's released. And when the people of God realize that the intangibles are tangible, that the invisible can be made visible, you're going to see a different church. You're going to see different communities. You're going to be, see different quality of discipleship, a different quality of believer. So we're moving into something. It's not dependent upon me, our keyboard player, a handful of us. It's, it's dependent upon us all. We are individual parts of a body, of one body. And when one part is weak, the whole body is compromised. So we are, we are becoming aware of one another in a healthy way. And that's what the pastoral ministry has been doing as, as nuts and bolts of loving one another, connecting, serving one another, seeing one another is becoming strengthened. So can we just say thank you, God? Thank you, God, that you know how to build a body. Thank you, God, that you know how to change and transform a community. Thank you, God, that you know how to make me into the kind of believer I need to be. And I'm going to talk about peacemakers this morning. I don't know how far I'm going to get. I don't know. You know, I might have to double back next week and recover some things that I covered poorly this morning. But I tell you, I am excited about the revelation. So there's a passage in uh, the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 9. You know it very well. It says, they shall be called children of God. Who? Who shall be called children of God? The peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. And I want to say this, that peacemaking is not an activity. Peacemaking is not primarily an activity. It is, uh, in terms of being a behavior, it's not being peaceful. You're actually releasing peace. Peacemakers release peace. That's where everything starts with the kingdom of God. That's why this so, is so fundamental. You think, why do you keep talking about the same things all the time? Because the basic things that we don't do are the reason we can't do the more complex things. Releasing peace is the activity of peacemakers. Now, the ambitious would like to look at a, a passage like that and say, oh, I want to be called a child of God, right? Stay in the light. I want to be called the child of God. Next week, hopefully, we're going to have these other lights, these new lights working, and maybe after the, week, the week after that, we'll have the other ones over here and over here. We've got lots of lights coming in. But the ambitious person always looks at the commands of Jesus as behaviors that must be mimicked. 
Everything comes down to obedience. No, obedience is important, but that's the first step in a transition. All obedience does is says, I'm willing. I'm willing to give this a shot. But of course, what you discover is you can't do it. And when you die, then God says, okay, let me do it through you. That's the long-term process. But I get ahead of myself here. Peacemakers, blessed be the peacemakers. They shall be called children of God. So you can't just say, well, I want to be called a peacemaker, so I'm going to walk around saying, peace, peace. What do you want most? World peace. You can pretend to be anything you can, but the release of peace is not a substance. It's a substance. It's not a behavior. It does translate into behaviors, and if all your behaviors are inconsistent with being a person of peace, then you might have to question the posture that you've assumed. But basically, God is saying there, I am establishing in the earth sons and daughters of God, and they will be makers of peace. You are called to be a maker of peace. Now, one of the things God is going to do in your life is going to show you the difference between peacemaking and peacekeeping. In the world... Right? We have a version of peacemaking called peacekeeping. But it doesn't work. Because the making of peace can only be done by the children of God. The making of peace. I mean, anybody, any fool can draw a line and keep people, combatants at a distance. That's not peace. That's the absence of conflict. Subduing conflict is a reasonable first measure if you want peace, but it doesn't get you anywhere close to where you want to be. Parents, right? You know, go to your rooms so I can have peace. Well, you have the absence of conflict, but you don't have peace. God is not interested in just the absence of conflict in his church amongst his people. He's interested in peace where we look at one another and we value one another and we love one another, and we, we, we are excited to be in each other's presence because there's something about you that reminds me of Jesus and God and brings the best out of me. And going to our separate rooms is a temporary measure to hopefully create reflection. But it is not peace. So God is saying, listen, there's a kind of peacemaking that I want to bring to the earth, and the United Nations can't do it. The Canadian military can't do it. Your police officers and I, uh, CSIS and the rest of that, they can't do that. Peacemaking is exclusively the purview of the sons of God. Because peace begins with an atmosphere that comes from heaven, flows through your life. But there's a power in peace that we don't know, and it's unusual. It's an unusual language because even the promise, right? The promise I, I, I talked about earlier from Romans 16, 20. It says, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Well, that's a great promise. And somebody would say, well, you know, the promise was realized when Jesus resurrected from the dead. You know, he 
He, he held captivity captive, and he ascended, and he gave gifts to men. He, he, make it, he made an open show of principalities and powers. It is finished when he raised from the dead. Well, according to Paul, who wrote this many years after that, it's not exactly finished. There is a greater manifestation of the ministry of peacemaking, of the God of peace that will trample the enemy under our feet. It has not been realized by any generation, any denomination, any church of any age or any persuasion. It is still something yet to come. Peace will fill the earth when the sons of peace realize the power of peace that is in their hands. Now, it's interesting because the the people that God chose to write this to through Paul, were the Romans. The Romans. These are Christians living in Rome under the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire established the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. I mean, they, but they did it through sheer violence. I mean, the subjugation, the, the dramatic, cruel subjugation of peoples and nations created this thing and so the language stands out as a little strange, a little odd. The God of peace will soon crush Satan. What, the God of peace will crush? Peace crushes? Peace crushing? No, no, no. Peace soothing. Peace strokes. Peace, peace comforts. Peace Peace encourages. Peace is soft like a mother's bosom. Or even better, grandmother's bosom. What little grandchild doesn't like a hug from grandma? No, that's, that's what peace does. What is this? The God of peace will crush Satan. It's, it's a seemingly incompatible language. Peace that crushes. There is a peace that crushes the works of darkness. It is not powerless. It is not inept. It is not impotent. It is full of the weightiness of the powers of heaven. And it's coming down to the earth through men and women of peace. It has the power to subdue and to subjugate. It has a weight that violence does not. power of peace is a commodity that the children of God are becoming more familiar with because it is our call to be able to release that. God's idea of peace is not that pale spineless version, political correctness and the political uh, compromisers are so fond of parading Peace is an offensive weapon able to subjugate Satan's worst wares. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Peace has the power to subjugate. Jesus demonstrated this. If you want to turn to your Bible, Mark chapter 4, it's a very familiar passage of Scripture. Many Sunday school lessons have been built around this. It's a it's a dramatic tale of, of uh, nature, violence of winds and storms, and of the power of peace. 
You probably all read it a thousand times. Did you know it was an object lesson for who you were meant to be? It's not just a fancy story. Well, look at that. See, Jesus is demonstrating here that he's the Son of God. He has some supremacy over the winds and over the storms and over the waters. Wow, that really is the evidence that he is the Son of God. That was not the essential purpose in doing that. He was manifesting the calm that comes through the peace of God. He was manifesting the authority of the peace of God that was going to come through a people that would still the fire, the raging fires of iniquity in nations that would cause wars to come to an end. There's so many aspects to this. I, I'm hesitant to go into some of them because they're so, but they're so beautiful. They're like, they're like glowing embers. Just you don't want to take your eyes off of. But in Mark chapter 4, I'll start reading in uh, verse 35. And it says, on the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already being being filled. But he was in the stern asleep. How's that for a manifestation of peace? He was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, as unpeaceful children usually do, don't you care? (laughs) Let me disturb your peace with an accusation. We are out here caring and you are not. Yes, we love to reframe our fear and our worry as wisdom and care. We like doing that. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is going to make everything clear so that things presented as one thing when they are not are going to be seen for what they actually are. This is the nature of the light that's coming to the earth. This is the nature of what happens when the sons of God arise. They cause things to be seen for what they are. Ultimately, we're all going to stand before the Lord. Our whole lives are going to be seen in the light of him. And it says everything will be made clear. Jesus makes everything clear. I want the kind of clarity about my life, about my motives, about my heart, about my thoughts, about circumstances in my life, about who caused what and why what happened. I want it to happen now. I don't want to live in a delusion that I'm a victim, that if I had been taller, life would have been much better. If only I had been a girl, life would be much better. If only I had been born in a different family, life would be much better. If only my parents had more money, life would be much better. If only I had been a different color, life would be much better. All that is a cop-out from personal responsibility because God says, if you connect with me, I will make sure your destiny comes to pass. The only person that can do that is you. You connect with me through faith, and there's nothing impossible to him that believes. And those that want to abdicate their responsibility make somebody else responsible for their failures. Now, I'm not saying some people haven't had it worse than others. But you don't know my life. 
and I don't know yours. And I could tell you some sad stories. And you know what? Somebody else would tell me worse stories. But none, none of it matters when the God of the impossible is there an arm's length away to change your existence. I mean, that's the power of faith, that the God of the impossible, the God of the miraculous, is right there. And even if you have to grope in the night like somebody who's blind and can't see, you can find him because he's not very far off. In him we live and move and have our being. He's right there for whoever wants him. People out there that are listening, you don't have to stay in the mud that you're in. You don't have to stay in depression. You don't have to stay in addiction. You don't have to stay in poverty. You don't have to stay in anger, fear, resentment, unforgiveness, because the God of the impossible is an arm's length away, and he will be found by any who seek, the, who seek for him with all their heart. He is no respecter of persons. This is the promise that God your Father gives to you. That if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. And I will change your life. God will change your life if you want it to change. But if you just want an excuse, you will live in the world that you have created. I don't know how we got there. Don't you care? That's the voice that rises up. This is the voice of atheism. This is the voice of unbelief. This is a voice of demonic ideologies. It begins with an assumption because God is not in an action in, 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 a, in a flurry like we are, panicked, running around like a chicken with his head cut off. Therefore, he does not care. Man, taking the meddling. Don't you care? Anyway, let's move on. Then Jesus arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? So don't get mad at me if when I see fear in your life, I say, why are you so fearful? It's not fearful, it's caution. It's not fear, I was concerned. I just care. Can I help it if I care? That is not real care. Father, divide in our life between that which pretends to be care, that which pretends to be love, that which pretends to be justice, that which pretends to be comfort, that which pretends to be a friend and is an enemy of our souls. God, I pray in Jesus' name, break through. Bring us into divine reality. Freedom is on our horizon. When Jesus spoke to the storm, he wasn't addressing the wind. He was addressing that which was behind the wind. I wrote in my article, I said, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't fighting the storm any more than a warrior fights a sword. We don't fight a sword. We, we fight another warrior with a sword. 
There is a personality behind this battle. There is a personality behind this wickedness. There is a personality behind this divisiveness. And we say, as the church of God, we're going to rise from the stern of our boats. We're going to rise from our pillow. We're going to rise from sleep. And we're going to say, shut up. Shut up. Be quiet. That's what Jesus was saying. He wasn't saying, just peace. He said, quiet. Peace. Peace. Enough out of you. Enough out of you. What if you had the power in your city to walk the streets and say peace to the fomenting rage and divisiveness and hatred that's just underneath the surface of our culture, just under... Just under the surface of Canadian niceness is a fire and a flame. And we say, peace, as men and women of peace, we will be peacemakers. Huh. That's the power of prayer. That's the power of prophetic declaration. That's the power of gratitude. That's the power of worship. There's a power in your sound. You were made in the image of your father, and when he wanted to do something, he just didn't think about it. He spoke it. You believe in your heart, but you with your mouth confession is made unto salvation. Nothing happens because you just think about it. When you say it, when you speak, couldn't Jesus have just wished for the storm? Why did he have to speak? Because that's who he is. That's who sons are. We speak like our father. But he didn't just say quiet and shut up. The word actually, in that, that, that sense, actually means to muzzle. To muzzle. Like you would muzzle a wild beast. Peace that comes from heaven has the power to muzzle the beasts. The peace from God has the power to muzzle principalities and spiritual powers. We are not warring against the water that's rising and foaming and frothing. We are not against the men and women who are manifesting hatred and anger and rage. We are not against them. But behind them is a personality. Behind them is a voice. Behind them is a demonic entity committed to mayhem in this nation. The only reason we've had peace is because men and women of peace have lived in this land and understood the power of their voice and their authority and their worship. And they said, as they walked this land, peace, 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 peace. An army is rising in the earth that will walk the streets of our cities in Canada. We will walk the highways and byways. And they will say, peace. Oh. There's something in the weightiness of peace that subdues. It has the power to subdue. To bring an unearthly calm to otherwise sinister, malicious ugliness. God, we say in Jesus' name today, 
Make us peacemakers. This is your destiny. This is your destiny. And you may be incomplete right today, as I think we all are, as I am, in what it means to make peace. And we are in a journey, and in weeks to come, I'm going to talk about how is God making you that man or that woman of peace? Because there is a process. But know this today, that you're not just a son of God because you come to church and you lift your hands. You are identified and called sons of God when you become peacemakers, creators of peace. See, the God that we serve makes something out of nothing, and you have the power to bring something out of nothing. And everything we do in worship and prayer and intercession is about taking something from nothing. See, you alone as sons of God have access to a litany of resources, a plethora, a storehouses and storehouses, multitudes, weapons that, weapons that can bring into subjection anything that rises up against the knowledge of God. It's all there. He's saying, who wants it? Who will give themselves, enlist themselves in the army of God to become makers of peace? Who will devote themselves to this one thing? I will become the manifestation of a son of God, a child of heaven, a daughter of the Most High. This is my number one priority. There's a lot of other priorities in your life, and they're, they're important. Right? The Bible says if a man does not work, he should not eat. Some learn that the hard way. So there's a range of priorities in your life. But this one, better than becoming the best snowboarder in the world. Or skateboarder. There's a call to be a son. To walk. Man... In Hebrews chapter 6, when he's talking about those who backslide, and he's talking about them, uh, uh, he's talking about a level that they come into, but he, he, the promise is this. It says, it says, they taste the powers of the age to come. Do you know that you are called to taste the powers of the age to come? Do you know the age of peace that is coming? You can taste the powers of that age of peace, that that, age, that power is resident and available inside of you. And God is saying, let me teach you. Lean into this. Lean into this. The commodity of peace. Wow. This, this is such an honor that God would say, I want you to rule and reign with me. So I'm going to reign with peace and righteousness, and justice. But you don't know what that is, so let me teach you. Father, we pray today. We're going to close with this. Father, we say we want the peace of heaven. We want the weighty power that subjugates and quiets the mouths of lions and says to principalities and powers, be still, say no more, be quiet. Father, whether... It is a demonic spirit manifesting 
in a moment of deliverance before us, or, Lord, the powers that would, that would whip up a frenzy of political correctness against your church in Canada. We say, Lord, raise up a voice that can say, quiet, be still. Quiet, be still. Quiet, be still. Quiet, be still. Let's stand up rather right now. There are voices rising up in this land to stra- put a stranglehold on your rights, to impede your ability to declare who you are, to declare what is righteous and what is godly and what is right. And we say right now to those political voices, quiet, be still. Quiet and be still. Quiet and be still. Oh! Can you feel that? There's an administration of the kingdom of heaven. A taste of powers of of the age to come. The voices of political incitement. How? That give power to words. Quiet. This battle is not a word of, a battle of words alone, but it's a battle of power. Political voices in the media, it's, they are releasing spiritual power. They don't know it. But we do. This, Father God, we know as we sang at the very beginning of this service, you're a powerful God. You're a God of miracles. You do amazing things. We know that's who you are. And Father, right now we know in our midst there isn't a lot of needs. None of them are too big for you. Some of those needs are healing. Some of those needs are in the area of finances. Right now, God, we pray that you would provide the finances that are necessary, that you would provide the jobs that are needed in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray this over our body, but we pray this over our community. We pray it over our province right now that this economy would shift, that jobs would open up, and people would be able to take care of their needs. And, Father, we pray healing over everybody in this body, in this church, in this community. For the healing of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, healing, healing, healing. And whatever other needs are here, God, touch those needs in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody say, Amen. Bless you in Jesus' name.